This is the AZ Brandcast, where we explore Arizona's brand and the brands that make Arizona. I'm Chris Stadler. And I'm Mike Jones. All right, everybody. It's another episode of AZ Brandcast. I'm your host, Mike Jones, with my co-host. Chris Stadler, what's up? And we are super excited to be with everyone today, uh, specifically because of our guest, Cole Harmonson from Dare Capital over in the lovely state of Texas. So we're getting a little outside Arizona today, which gets me a little excited. Uh, we don't do a lot of guests um, from outside Arizona. So Cole, thank you so much for coming on today and being with us and hanging out. And we're going to have a great conversation. Um, just a little bit about you, Cole, and Dare before we jump in and open up the conversation. Um, you started your career um, in the factoring and asset-based lending, right, and managing cash flow. Um, and in particular, uh, you started in 1996, you founded State Bank's factoring and asset-based lending business. And then when they sold their business in 2007, um, you took the leap into entrepreneurship, which is super awesome. And you founded Far West Capital, which had a successful bank exit in, in 2018. Um, and you'd worked with hundreds of companies supporting their growth through that company that you founded and sold. And then in 2019, so really not that long ago, you founded Dare Capital with your co-founder, Deborah Zuconic. Did I get her last name right? You did. You nailed it. Yes. You nailed it. All right. Um, so definitely lots of capital in there. <laughs> um, Asset-based funding, uh, some banking experience, but on the funding side. Um, so we're super excited to have you on and talk about your experience uh, in the financial world and helping companies grow, helping um, startups, uh, all sorts of different businesses really see success right through the financial funding that they need. So um, yeah, let's let's get going. Chris, did you have a little icebreaker question to get everything going? Oh, you know I do. I know you do. You always so, do. Yeah. So well, since Cole is in lending and he talks talks a lot about um, founders, he's into training founders, looking at or or you know looking at founders that work and founders that don't work. What I want to know is, and this is a question for everybody here: uh, What are the most ridiculous things you've seen inexperienced founders do? Well, thank you for that. Thank you guys for having me. I'm yeah. super excited to be here with you guys today. And I feel like I'm an sort of an honorary Arizonan. Uh, yeah. My wife, my wife and I, we hang out in Sedona a lot. Um, and we, we feel the same affinity for open carry and weaponry. And I think uh, <laughs> when I first met Mike, that was one of my first conversations is like, okay, how many guns do you own and where do you carry them? So um, we, I was immediately Jumping attracted. right to the personal question. Yes. Right? Yeah. In, in, immediately attracted to you guys. Uh, <laughs> what is the most ridiculous thing? I mean, honestly, I think I've seen, and again, I think this is going to go to some of our conversation today about personal responsibility and, you know, how a founder owner is really, responsible for any business problem that, that goes on inside of a business and taking hundred percent responsibility of their own, of their own sort of growth and conduct as uh, the, as the business's objective is their personal growth. Um, and I think that doesn't get enough play in today's conversation, but uh, honestly, it's, a, it's fraud. Mm. I think that's the, I think that is the the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, um, and and I have 
over a thousand companies funded, uh, and I've I've only seen a handful, a literal handful of of out and out fraudsters. Um, and we actually had one here very recently uh, through one of our our partner portfolios that we service, and the guy was. Uh, trying to perpetrate like a $4 million fraud. And we caught him like in the act. And we're actually speaking with the FBI right now wow. and trying to set up, trying to set up a sting operation. Uh, and the, it was interesting as the FBI was like, Hey, so how much money did you lose? We're like, none. We caught it. They're like, uh, <laughs> well, we really like you to, we need like to, you to lose money. some money first. We're like, you don't, you don't understand how this works. We're <laughs> Colombo this situation here <laughs> and hopefully it won't happen to someone else so luckily we knew someone inside of, of the bureau and were able to make some phone calls and get some attention to it but I mean that's very rare that's kind of an outlier situation uh, that you meet people who actually you know intend on uh, you know like a flim flam type man uh, that, that's that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen um, is if, if people spent that much time, energy, and effort trying to actually do something positive in the world, they could, you know, they could make a difference, you know. But hey, do we need to know. wait to air this episode till after the sting operation is over? <laughs> no, I'm not going to release any names. Don't worry. Okay. We'll, we're we're going to we're going to protect the guilty. Here, okay, so. for now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the icebreaker question should have been uh, uh, caliber of choice and why. Oh my! Goodness. I didn't realize. You'll put me on the spot, okay. man. <laughs> Do you have a caliber of choice? I I just got a brand new FN five seven two two three, so it's like a, a two two oh, three yeah. round is you know, and an, an AR is two two seven, so it's got a twenty round clip in it. So I mean, it, it's very spunky, very very spunky. So I just got that gun. Nice. And my son, my son was one who told me about the gun, and then he said. He said, yeah. I said, well, why did you pick that? Because he's he's knows way more about them than I do. I just like them. And he said, well, after the fact, I read that, you know, the most likely purchasers of this gun were people that drive a Porsche SUV and are bankers. You know, they're probably an old, <laughs> old middle. I was like, dude, okay, you, na you nailed me. How did you wow. know? That's fun. Yeah. It's, that's, that's some hilarious. good branding, probably. Yeah, but what's yours, Chris? Uh, this is your question. So, all right, so my this is, this is right up your alley. I mean, so I like the five five six for a rifle, um, the uh, or the two two three, um, the uh, but you know I'm a nine millimeter guy for concealed, um, just practical, practical round. You know, it's easy to get and uh, pretty. Con it's the most common round, so it's cheaper. It's actually cheaper than a short nine like a 380 so it's like well why wouldn't i go with nine yeah, millimeter that's so. so you very practical yeah you know so yeah. um <clears throat> you know my favorite my, caliber uh do you know what my favorite caliber I, is i can't wait what is it it's whatever my friends show up at the range with yeah right whatever, whatever <laughs> I just, ammo they I just give bum you. off everyone else <laughs> there's this there's this like there's this meme i don't know if it's a meme or what but it's like Whenever anybody asks me to take them shooting, I send them this and it has like all the calibers and what they cost each <laughs> like rifle rounds, you know? No, like, I try to be, I try to pitch in and make sure it's fair. I know you would. Cause but, I know you, but uh, yeah, no, yeah. I just shoot other people's stuff. 
Yeah, that's my thing though. I, I I do, however, if somebody shows up with a better gun than me, like my brother, I will shoot their gun so I don't have to go and clean mine. I'll just take my <laughs> magazines and pop again, them in their gun. Again, very practical. Yeah, very practical, you know. Chris. Um, and then uh, what about a story? What's your story, founder story? Yeah, this one's tough because I feel like a lot of the inexperienced founders I know don't do ridiculous things because uh, they're either too scared or too inexperienced to do ridiculous things. I will say um, uh, one guy I know here, I, I don't, I, kind of a buddy, um, Russ Perry, founded Design Pickle up in Scottsdale, a mm. great software tech startup. Um, they've been doing really well. They've been growing like crazy. But I, I just give him total props for doing the one thing I don't see a lot of founders do, which is completely making a fool of themselves in order to get attention for their their new startup. Does he dress up as a pickle? He dressed up for like <laughs> years as a pickle, like a giant you know pickle suit. And he'd go to trade shows and he'd do whatever it took to get, I mean, they did tons of videos. You can go find videos of Russ Perry in a pickle suit. He thankfully has... He's graduated out of that. He's delegated. So he's yeah. learning good management skills. Um, not that he didn't already. He was, he's a very savvy guy. So Sounds scrappy. Very scrappy. Yeah. Russ is a very scrappy, savvy, you know, make it work. So so, so for me, mine is just, um, so I've experienced a, a few situations where there were a lot of dreams, uh, kind of on the tech, maybe a little more on the innovation side uh where there was there was there were a lot of ideas without any kind of and of course i'm an ops guy so you know of course i want to know like how's that going to work right how do how do we make that work and um just a unwillingness to just talk about that stuff you know and say we don't we want to do this we think it's possible so how do we do it and there was just it didn't seem like they, they surrounded themselves with, with the the right the right fits to be able to just say okay Hey, I can challenge. I, I can challenge you. You you've let me in. Um, you've given me trust. I can I can now challenge you mm -hmm. to 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 discover where your weaknesses are, and so we can make this dream happen. Right? It's almost like salesmanship without without quite enough. Uh, how do we follow through? You know, that's probably not uncommon. Probably not. A lot of a lot of sales driven or or idea driven. Uh, startups that maybe haven't figured out how to operationalize it especially when it's not your money <laughs> yes there's that <laughs> so can i can i start with a, a few questions about texas arizona comparison sure. not you know not that we're comparing in the negative way but um texas does a really good job with a lot of stuff uh you see a lot of startups in austin um and where are you guys located again i'm in austin you're in austin i'm in yeah. austin so what can other states learn from Texas as far as supporting businesses? Besides getting your own power grid? Well, I would say, you know, <laughs> make sure that you have a good slogan, like keep Austin weird. And I always yeah. tell people, I always say, you know, you know, to pe the people in Austin, I've been here for 20 years. And I say, look, we need a new, we need a new slogan. It's, it, it's not aspirational at all to keep Austin weird because you know there's a lot of fucking weird people and I don't know if I can curse on this you know I'm gonna bleep it out later but there's so many weird people here it's like it's not it's not hard like you guys need to do something you know it's a almost more a conservative it's almost a conservative statement to keep <laughs> something the way it is right yeah exactly you know the, in the, in the 
in the 80s in the 80s they the city councils their thought process was if you don't build it they won't come and austin has grown three percent per year since 1895 no matter what Hmm. like it doesn't matter you know any kind of economic cycle it doesn't matter austin grows it continues to attract people i think in all seriousness it is because of the uh it is because of the culture here i I can't explain what it is uh but there is an an openness vibe it is a little bit more of a liberal vibe here but uh you know again i i don't understand uh the mindset of 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 states like california not to dump on california i mean it's like air conditioning outside i get why people would want to live there um (laughs) it's it's a beautiful beautiful place um I'll, i'll just give you a quick example we we filed for our lender license so there's there's 50 states as you guys are aware the only one that requires a license to lend other businesses money is california because of course they need to protect their citizenry and their businesses because the business people there are apparently too dumb to uh, to make their own decisions. So they need the, they need the nanny state to help them figure it out. And so, so it took. So a, I hope that, that I'm. I hope no one, none of them on the. It's the uh, the oversight department. Oversight. We're going to give some oversight. They're not listening. Yeah, I'm sure that they're not going to listen to this, but we we chased them away a long time ago. (laughs) You you block them from your Twitter feed. Um, But, you know, it took us nine months to get that. So in other words, we could have been lending money there and helping, actually helping companies. Um, And, you know, really, again, you know, the niche that we provide is really needed right now, which is the construction business, um, which is just one of the one of the niches that we we play in. But um, in Texas, to answer your question, that kind of thing doesn't happen. For the most part, we have a hands off, low tax, low regulation environment that's very pro business. Um, and now, you know, some of the zoning is is a little egregious and I'm, I'm not saying that there should be a total hands-off from the government's perspective uh, I'm, I'm a believer and you know hopefully we can cooperate together but to keep the main thing the main thing uh, and i think that's what arizona does pretty well too i've got a lot of uh colleagues there um uh, the president of the international factoring association which has zero international members i don't know why we call ourselves that but i've been part of it for uh 20 something years and you know there's there's about 900 factors who do what we do in the united states which there's 28 million small businesses so there's not you know we, we stumble over each other every once in a while but you know for the most part we're, we don't compete with with one another and so if there's a local project, I mean, I've got two factors in Phoenix that I could pick up the phone. I was on the phone with one of them yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, good, good friends. And, and they report sort of the same thing um, as a sort of a pro-business environment. So yeah, I, your question. I, yeah, I, that resonates. That yeah. definitely resonates with our experience here in Arizona and just very similar vibe, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing. And, uh, you know, I think, in particular, we've seen the last few years with Doug DC as governor, like his his kind of mandate has been like 
get rid of a lot of regulation and a lot of red tape that had been kind of put in place over the last 20 years. Um, yeah, you can simplify it. Isn't it like code. you can bring license, let your, your, your occupational license from another state. There's a lot. Yeah, that was a big that. one last year. So they, yeah. they opened it up. If you're licensed, you know, any kind of, you know, technical license that you have in another state and in particular looking at, you know, basic service level jobs, just like, you know, a hairstylist or a masseuse or somebody like that who's licensed in another state and um, Ducey pushed through some legislation that allowed um, that those licenses to just get grandfathered in to Arizona. So if you move here, you've got one of those licenses, um, you're automatically licensed. Uh, we'll let the other states kind of figure out how they want to license stuff and then just honor that, um, which really, op really opened up a lot of opportunity for people to move here and just make it easy, right? Just make it easy to, mm -hmm. to get business going here. Um, it's great for Californians so. who need a new place to live. Yeah. And I don't, I don't I think mean, it's a pure libertarian state. You know, I think sometimes we get labeled that here. Uh, I wouldn't say that that's completely what we are. Totally. Chris might disagree. I no, know no, you, no, I, you like aspects of that for sure. Well, yeah, I'm not saying we are that though. No. Yeah, I wouldn't say and that. I, I think there's an underlying, like, you know, if, if businesses are doing good and this might get into another conversation we want to have here if businesses are doing good, right, they're doing, doing good by all of their stakeholders, it reduces the need for the government to step in and have to regulate. Mm, right. Yep. And I've seen that conversation here a lot um, around like, let's not let problems get to a point within industry where, you know, the public and then therefore the government feels like it has to do these like really hard overreaching regulatory processes mm -hmm. in order to fix all this stuff right um and so like you know even stuff like um you know we've been very open here around a lot of the test driving for autonomous vehicles mm -hmm. and that actually kind of got some people in some hot water when uber actually one of their vehicles killed somebody a few years ago in tempe um and i think the state was in particular doug Ducey and kind of the the industry kind of leaders here were very like, Hey, you got to clean this up Uber. We're not going to be on the hook for, you know, you messing this up for everyone else. Right. And Google had already been here with their, um, their program, their driverless car program for several years and had zero issues, at least nothing like super major, uh, no deaths. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I think everyone was like, Hey, like, and, and Uber actually pulled out within, I think six months, they pulled their entire program out of Arizona. Um, you know, so I, how I was you, happy to see how that. you, how you and I met was through a blog post that I put out slash someone in your neighborhood introduced yep. us and we, we, we started talking about conscious capitalism and the stakeholder orientation, you know, sort of thinking about the outcomes of, of every single group that you touch. And again, this is new territory. I think not just for let's call it businesses, but just human beings in general, like if you think about it, think about many of the businesses that are incredibly successful right now slash are not good for you. There's aspects of it that are not, <laughs> yes. good, that are not good for you. Social media, uh, Apple. Uh, again, yeah. I'm a, a huge Apple fan. I'm not, I'm not saying that they purposefully addict you, but they addict yeah. you. Tobacco, uh, you know, alcohol, all these all of these addiction-based companies that, again, you know, Warren Buffett calls it a moat. You know, it's like, yeah, you can't yep. not use it. 
right? You, you have to use it and you, you have to use it from that particular user. The outcomes for the shareholders in, in those situations is apparently way too appetizing for people to turn away from right now. And if you look at, uh, and we wrote about this last month, but like watch the social experiment uh, on, or the social dilemma on Netflix, um, and, or go look at Tristan Harris, uh, time well spent, uh, and just Google his name, um, you know, just to cover the social media aspect. But again, on a smaller level, you know, smaller businesses, the reason that they exist is because I'm producing a good outcome for the person who comes and says, Hey, Cole, I'd like to borrow some of your expensive money. Uh, we have an we have an underwriting process for that, and the and the underwriting process looks like, you know, the first and foremost thing that, and we're a collateral based lender. The first and foremost thing that we do is focus on if we put this money to work, is this actually going to be a net positive for the person on the other side of the table? And if it's not, we don't do it. Um, and go and look at on deck capital, cabbage, some of these quote unquote MCA lenders, which are the reasons for some of these regulations that are getting bandied about right now uh, because you know business owners again not taking personal responsibility click here and get money seems real easy and, and there's no yep. way that a, a dare capital could compete with something like that because we're going to actually do some underwriting <laughs> like a bank would some due diligence not just, <laughs> not just send you money and charge you a couple hundred percent and hope for the best that's not a good recipe it's not a good recipe for longer term success. So, yeah. you know, I don't know where this rant started or where it'll end, but the, the point of it is, I think, shareholder orientation, slowing down long enough to think about, you know, can I actually improve something for the other side of the table here? And it's something we take really, really, really seriously. And again, it's another aspect of, you know, when we start first start talking about doing this podcast what do we what do we want to talk about you know the thing that i care about is is the leaders behind these institutions any kind of small business how are you going to take care of yourself and how are you going to grow and change and and do what is necessary uh to become a better leader and again i think that's combining humility and intellect are they're very compatible but you have to put humility first um and realize you don't you you may have some domain expertise but you know that's why i joined entrepreneurs organizations because i knew i only knew a little bit about what uh I, technically i'd worked for a bank for a long time but i'd never ran a business myself so i wanted to get best practices um and again that was one of the best things i ever did because i was able to learn some from some other you know incredibly successful people that you know had made the mistakes that I was about to make <laughs> I'll make some maybe I'll make some new ones which I yeah. have and done but you know I want to learn from other people yep so so that's that's a great um <clears throat> a great I mean you you did a good job of introducing the the, the topic that I, I wanted to cover which was um three uh the the, the top three mistakes uh that that uh that founders make uh leadership mm -hmm. mistakes that founders make um is that one of them because it sounds like it might be uh 
uh, so that humility and intelligence you talked about looking for, what are your top three? You know, I, I think it, it is the, again, having lent money to over a thousand companies and seen sort of the pattern recognition of the ones that are successful, the ones that are successful, they listen uh, and they, they care enough about uh, the, the, all the other outcomes of the business other than their own. Um, of course, it needs to be successful for that shareholder group as well, uh, or, or why do it? You know, that, again, that's not uh, a condemnation of capitalism or, or making money. But at the same time, you know, there's the bad decisions that get made mostly come out of ego and fear uh, and not being able to own up to the truth, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's one of the things that we try to do at DARE is, look, you, you know, radical transparency is one of our core values. And you may not like hearing what we have to say sometimes but it doesn't mean we won't say it. Um, and again, the people that we've seen to be successful have said, oh, shit, I don't want to go in the ditch. And we say, if you continue to do this, you will go in the ditch in our experience. So I think number one mistake, they just don't know how to listen to other people and they sort of think they know everything. Again, I think to own, run, grow a business, you have to have, a certain amount of ego that's a that's a given um and i'm not i actually think it's a good thing in a when used in a positive way that you have enough confidence to go out there and, and do something but at the same time i think you have to join that up with man i've got a lot to learn right you know and i think one of my coaches said something that stuck with me she said the more you know the more you know that you don't know shit. You know, so it, it's like, I, I don't know and please someone come and, and help me with that. So there's, there's lots of other either great entrepreneurs out there or, you know, groups like entrepreneurs organization that are just, people are just dying to help other people. Um, and I think that's, that's always the case. I think so the second thing, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. No, please. I, I love it. Keep going. I think the second thing is just, it's very, this is very block and tackly, but most of the clients that I've ever funded, they come sort of out of one of two places. They're either great salespeople or they're great engineers, but they don't have a grasp on the, on the, on the financials and they treat the, they treat accounting as like something that I do in the past, like for, <laughs> I do that once a for year tax, <laughs> for tax purposes. <laughs> yeah. And it could, because it's not their domain expertise, they think, and they're not, they're not, they're not big enough, if you will, to, uh, you know, to, to really treat it seriously. Um, and I, I feel very lucky because I came from a finance background and I came from working inside of a bank and working on much bigger credits you know, before I got started putting my own money into deals. And so I would see how, how projections work. So having, if you don't have that expertise, I think you go and you, you hire that out and you treat it as the most important thing of, of, you know, understanding your cash flow. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, number one, be humble. Number two, know your cash flow. Mm. I mean, I think that's it. And then number three, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever read this book or heard of this, this uh, Carol Estweck. She wrote this book called Mindset. Hmm. Um, and they talk about the differences. She talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. And everyone thinks they understand what that means when they say a growth mindset. But to boil it down, they look at problems. If you have a growth mindset, you look at problem as an opportunity to learn. Because I think what happens inside of companies is, and this is normal and natural, um, if, if the leader is not expressing this very, very clearly, it's normal and natural for people to try to, inside of any company, no matter how big or how small, for anyone to sort of protect their turf and, you know, I need to demonstrate, you know, mastery over or this or that. And somewhere along the way at Far West Capital, which we went from a volume of the first year of 2 million, the last year that we were there before we sold, it was 900 million. So, you know, we went like that right hmm. over 11 years and it was a much different business you know at the end than it was when we started yeah I bet. um and what i learned along the way with with the, with the employee teams is that employees would almost hide problems hmm. because they didn't they didn't feel comfortable that you know, they would get in trouble or that sort of thing, which it couldn't have been further from the truth as far as the management team grew. But, you know, again, I had some management issue problems as well along the way. But I think it's the third thing is people have a fixed mindset. And when you have that fixed mindset, there's there's something to protect, right? Uh, and in the growth mindset, you say to yourself, I reward effort. I look for failures because that's how we fix our business. And I celebrate the people who bring them up, but I, and I don't, re, I don't reward results. I, re, I reward effort. Hmm. Um, and so I see too many businesses that focus on it's like, even in the sales world, they focus on, Hey, how many deals did you close? You know, what's going to close? What's going to, what, what'd you do? You know, that sort of thing where it's it sort of, puts everyone on edge like oh i haven't closed anything this quarter yeah one thing that we do inside of our sales organization is we focus on the the metrics that create success mm-hmm. and yep. not the not the results themselves so we yep. talk about leads one-on-ones we have with folks yeah what's you the know, activity anyone? that will generate the results yeah right. so that's a great example of i think where a growth mindset comes up and you know, we talk about mistakes openly and we encourage people to, to, to put that out there. And I've written a lot about growth mindset. I've written a lot about that. I constantly share that with the team. Um, so people will feel comfortable in that way. So, you know, it's really hard to orient yourself from one level to the next, which is what Mm -hmm. every entrepreneur wants to do. Uh, when you're like, you know, or your team is yeah, trying to hold it all scared. back. Yeah. Yeah. It's that kind of openness and being willing to, to talk about the issues. Right. Um, and I, I mean, I've, I've seen Cole just from your own 
your own content, what you put out in the world, like that's something that you care a lot about of just saying like, here's how it is, right? Let's not sugarcoat it. Let's not hide it. Let's not, um, you know, spin it. <laughs> it's like, right. if it's an issue, it's an issue. Let's talk about it. Right. Or yeah. if it's something you feel strongly about, let's talk about it. Um, and I really appreciate that about you. And obviously in the way that that comes across in a lot of your content, um, you know, that you're, you're just like, Hey, let's, let's say it like it is. And that gets through a lot of the, I've seen that. I mean, that gets through a lot of the, the BS, right. Or the, the hidden issues are, are the ones that really matter. <laughs> you yeah. know, we talk a lot that's about it. that, you know, like, wait, what's the real, what's the root issue, right? A lot mm-hmm. of times when somebody brings something up and everyone's like, Oh, that kind of sounds like an issue. It's probably not even the real issue. Cause they're like, well, I don't know how to actually bring up the real issue or they don't know what exactly what it is, or they're afraid to, to bring it up. Yep. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's actually, it's actually a lot of fun. And, and, and people, if you think about it, any place you've ever worked before, how rare it is, honestly rare it is that you can speak your mind slash mess up. And that's the culture. Um, and you know, the people that you, that directly report to you, you know, again, I think that's what goes back to some of that conscious capitalism, stakeholder orientation conversation, which one of those is the team. And if you're not, if you're not actively doing things to promote that, and, and measure it, not just talk about it, but that's one of the things we did at Far West Capital. Uh, we, we measured all that. We used a tool called Workify um, and it helped us uh, anonymously measure our culture and it was a regular beat. So it wasn't like we do this once every two years, <laughs> check in, hey, how's it yeah. going? And it was a quarterly survey. I held a quarterly meeting with the entire team and it was one of the things that we talked about there and we just threw it all out there. Here's, here's what you guys have said yep. is important to you. And here is uh, where we, where you think we can get better. And here's what I'm doing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not just giving lip service to this stuff. And it's a measure. We get a net promoter score, you know, with your entire team once a quarter. That's um, awesome. And people loved it, you know, they felt heard and, you know, we actually did what we said we were going to do. So workify.com, check it out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll plug there. So, so I'm, I'm really interested. So let's say, so people might hear this, like, you know, be humble. It's, you know, it's, you can buy a bumper sticker. Um, But what is, so let's say, all right, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm, I'm buying what you're saying. And I'm hearing you say that these things aren't just a good idea. They aren't just something that like, you know, Hey, it, it would be great if someday we're successful enough to be able to be humble. Right. Or we're successful enough. I've heard, um, on your site, you talk about generous leaders, right? Uh, Oh, someday that'll happen. Someday we'll be ready for that. Well, first of all, I, my, my first question is, are you ever too small for this stuff to be practical because I'm hearing practicality now, whereas before I hear like, Oh, isn't this great? This would be great. What I'm hearing you say is no, this is practical. This is how you build a business and this works. So are you ever too small? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, You know, 
that's a great question. I, I think too many business owners have this idea that they're quote unquote supposed to be doing something, including growing, right? Including becoming much bigger, including blah, blah, blah. And I think you have to get that shit out of your head. Mm. Um, and again, I think this is a, a slow down, do some writing on your own and really search inside your own heart and find out what's true for you. So we always said, my, my old business partner and I always used to say, because we never ever took on any other outside money or anything like that because we, we could have, but we didn't. And we always looked at each other and said, it's not illegal for us to be small and profitable. That's not a crime. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, And, you know, if you're in a group with partners, it's a little more difficult. If you have professional money inside of an, uh, of an organization, it's a little more difficult for you to do that as either CEO or owner. And when that's the case, I think it's vitally important to get the organizational goals down on paper, the strategic objectives down on paper, the outcomes down on paper, and to constantly communicate. I mean, dare we're really small and we've got a full deck and what our goals are and where we're going and how we're going to know when we get there. And, you know, all those things that I had when I was at the height of the far West capital, but it's incredibly important for us to decide what we want. Uh, and we can redecide, but I don't try to visit it in a five-year period. I try, I visit it every single quarter. Hmm. Um, and I keep that role. That's, that's part of these entrepreneurial operating systems, like, uh, the book by Vern Harnish scaling up. Yep. Um, and you know, uh, some of those type situations, some of those systems are really great, very inexpensive and can give you sort of the scaffolding that you want as a business owner to climb up and down and use or not use. But no, I don't think there's any business too small even if it's just for the personal uh, interests of the owner who is sitting there going, how do I decide what I want, right? Um, how do I know? And I think, you know, you probably figure that out by, by learning what you don't want many times um, and going, okay, well, there, there's an answer over there. I don't want that. And that's how most business owners learn. I mean, that's how we all learn. So is that helpful? Yes. All right. So, um, so you're talking about how some, some people neglect finance, right? That's kind of your second, that's what I wrote down as your second, your second thing. Mm-hmm. Um, why isn't that something that I can just think about later? Why can't that just be an afterthought for a, for a business? So I'm focused on, look, I'm focused on making the promises and I'm focused on keeping the promises. So I have sales, marketing, and then I have operations, right? Why does, why does finance need to be something? Can I just like read some blog posts, you know, and just uh, talk to my accountant? A lot of business owners are, are successful in spite of themselves in that regard. (laughs) Right. And, and they, they have these incredibly successful companies that, you know, 
the revenue is much more than the expenses. You know, let's just keep it really simple. Like there's money left over. How do I know? Because I log into my bank account, right? <laughs> um, and, and that's how a lot of business owners run their company. And that's like, okay, that works for you. But as we always say in our, our credit decision minds, we always say that works until it doesn't, right? And then when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work at all. And all of a sudden, you know, you're calling somebody like me saying, Hey, I need money like next Friday. And we're like, look, our process takes what it takes. I don't know if we can get it to you. Um, or they take on one of these, these, you know, really high interest loans and all of a sudden, you know, they're in some sort of death spiral. So I've seen a lot of those cases over the last few years, a lot of them. Hmm. Um, so I think another, well, I'm going to go Stephen Covey on you here. Um, <laughs> you know, successful habit is being proactive. So we talk about that inside of our company all the time, all the time. Because if I'm proactive in any relationship that I have, I'm constantly communicating with you what's going on, what my expectations are, what yours are. If you have even a bank line, if you have any kind of outside money, um, then you need to know like last month we did X and we made Y and I have a set of projections. And again, I don't try to get out and be really fancy with five years. I'm talking about the calendar year. What is going to be my cash flow next month? I'm looking at all my opportunities. Can I fund them or not? Um, yeah. And one of the biggest mistakes that people make, entrepreneurs make, is they think that increasing sales means increasing cash and it's the opposite if you're growing you're using cash if you're shrinking you're producing cash and people don't get that concept until it's too late um and again that's why a lot of people come to us is because they're growing faster than what their bank can support and they say hey you know the bank sends them to us they said we love these people but (laughs) we can't help we can't help them now send them back when they are bigger. So wait, so during a recession, when everybody's just like, ah, we got to turn everything off except sales. Are you saying that that may be the wrong thing to do? I'm, I'm trying to get cash. I need to pay payroll. I need to focus on sales. Turn everything off. Focus on sales. Yeah. I think, I I think. Oh, go go ahead, Paul. No, no, go ahead. You're, you're the expert here. Well, number one, I would say that every business is different. So it's hard to generalize on that and on that answer. Everybody's different. Every situation is different. You know, in general, I think there's a lot of overreacting on in that situation. But if you have a good cash flow handle and grasp on your business, then a shock of 30 or 40 percent is not going to surprise you. Slash, you're going to be able to click a button and be able to look and see, oh, that's what that's going to do to me. I either really do need to cut or I really don't need to cut. Um, and if you have a good model that you're using, you know, out of Excel or, you know, you have an outside accountant if, if, or you have an outside CFO or whatever, if those people can't give you those kind of answers, well, then you need to find someone else. Um, and I think that's a lot of times it very inexpensively 
you can buy that expertise. And, you know, if people need that, please call me. I've got five guys on speed dial who I refer people to all the time. There's a lot of times people come to us and say, Hey, I need money. And we started asking questions and they go, I don't know the answer to that. And we're like, look, we could do this, but that doesn't give you the outcome that you want. So let's talk about that first. And here's somebody who can actually help you figure that out. As I actually had this conversation last week with the couple that's an entrepreneur that's been in business five years, $6 million company. And they were trying to decide, do I raise a bunch of money and try to become a hundred million dollar business? Or do I stay small, quote unquote? And I started asking them questions about their financials and they couldn't answer them. And I said, here's a guy, go talk to him, spend the next month figuring out what you really want based upon what, what, you know, this, my friend, Bob, who is going to go help them and then come back to me and, and, you know, you got to do the math yourself. You got to do the work. Uh, and I think that's again, another mistake that, that folks want to, you can click on your phone and look at a tweet or do whatever and get an instant result, but it's not, it doesn't work that way in, in building a, you know, a great work of art or a business or something like that. It takes chiseling away every day slowly and you have to know where you're going too. So. Do you want to add? No, nope. that, no, that was that a great was, answer. That was a great answer. Great answer. <laughs> I got um, nothing to add other than, yeah, go, go get those people. <laughs> so, so, is that, so my next question was going to be, what is, what is that one thing that, that needs to happen? Like say I'm in that position and I'm, I have an accountant or let's just say bookkeeper. Right. And then I'm, you know, at the end of the year, maybe I send my stuff in and get my taxes done, but I'm not really looking to the future that much. I just know my cash flow is positive for right now. That one thing that you would say, go out and do this right now. What would that be? I would, I would say have a working budget to actual projection model that you're working off of that looks at profitability. It looks at cash flow and it looks at the, uh, the KPIs of the business and that are leading indicators and the things that actually drive the business. And if you don't know those things, you should stop what you're doing and go figure those things out. And those are the things that you focus on every single day. Is just the discipline of of looking at of looking at that model. I mean, my partner and I have a and I I hired it out. I, I hired my friend Bob Bob Litchie. Um, I hired Bob, and when we started Dare, he built my model for me, and I knew how much financing I needed. I knew how much money I was going to have to put in. I knew, you know, what I was going to get in bank financing. You know, all the things, and I knew what I needed to sell, and and so I compare that constantly and it doesn't take me a lot of time but i'm having the conversation with my partner and our team about those things constantly we're constantly having that again it goes back to that growth mindset focus on the things you can control which you know you can't close you can't you can't necessarily control what you close but you can focus on how many times a day you pick up the phone i know okay. i can do that 20 25 times Mm. and 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 I, I do think that comes from it comes from here you know it comes from your heart uh and if you're not enjoying it then it's you shouldn't do it you know that's another piece of advice i have you know there's i think there's a lot of myth around oh i should be 
you have to grind, you know, you need to be a grinder and blah, blah, blah. Well, I thought that's what you left your corporate job for. <laughs> like, what the f Why would you want to do that all the time? So, you know, like, if I don't feel like working, I stop, or I turn off my computer and I go outside. I don't work, all right? Yeah, right. Um, doesn't mean I don't take care of it. And I actually work every single day, but I work every day because I love it. You know, mm -hmm. like, I love doing what I'm doing and the people around me and, you know, the the outcomes that we're helping people to get along with our own outcomes, it's just fun. Um, and if it's not, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we live in this like productivity obsessed culture, <laughs> you know, and like, you're supposed to be like, no, I mean, I spent three or four weeks in Colorado and Utah and Arizona uh, this this summer and I worked half a day and I'm, I didn't work the other half because I didn't want to. Um, so I, I think too many people get caught up in all this stuff. And, and with the pandemic too, I think instead of spending time commuting, people just spent more time working. Yep. Mm. That's been a thing. So, so, so what's, uh, so, so you listed these three things. I'm going to, I'm going to read them back to you, make sure I have them right. And then I have a question. So failure to listen and be humble, uh, neglecting finance, and then that fixed mindset. Those are the three mistakes that I heard. Is that about right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so how do you, so, so you, so you're looking at these companies and you're choosing whether to lend money to these companies. And so mm -hmm. what I'm wondering is in your experience, what are some of those things that you notice in each of these areas um, that where you say, I, okay, I'm seeing this behavior in you and it tells me that you're not going to listen and be humble or you're neglecting finance. Now I'm, I'm wondering if too many people come to you who are neglecting finance. So you're probably <laughs> taking care of that, but, um, or the fixed mindset. What, so, so how do you recognize, let's start with failure to be humble. How do you recognize that most signs? Great, great question. Um, I think blaming, you know, and, and, mm. and you know, you, you, you get somebody and they've got a trail of bloody bodies behind them. <laughs> um, and, you're like, so what happened back there? What about that, you know, what about that last company you ditched? Well, so-and-so screwed me, you know, <laughs> and, you know, this happened and that happened. And, you know, wasn't my, wasn't my fault, you know, it wasn't my fault. I mean, if I, if, you know, Susie just would have done her job. Hmm. Um, so I think that's number one characteristic is people that don't take personal responsibility for the results that happen inside of their company, period. Like if it's, if it's, if your name is up there and you're the person, it's your fault. Like <laughs> you let it happen. So someone made a, may have made a mistake, but you put them in that position. Yep. So take responsibility and learn. And I think that's number one on the number one side. So, so what about what about fixed mindset or did you have more on that one fi fi fixed mindset would be the other one i'm super curious about what do you see what are the signs i think they view all problems again in a victim type mentality um and you know when you when you want to just talk about your past it's like tom brady i saw a quote on him yesterday 
you know, he said, I don't, doesn't matter what I've done in the past. He's like, I got to earn this. I got to earn it every time. So I think a fixed mindset situation would, you know, you, you can recognize that, you know, that characteristic of, of ego and accomplishments and, and all these other things, which are great. No one denigrates that, you know, it's, it's, it's congratulations. I think you should celebrate your successes. You know, at the same time, I think the more self aggrandizement that happens, I think there's just, there's something that is there for you to protect. So you're less willing to say, <clears throat> yeah, screwed up. I messed yep. that up. Yep. Um, or, or, or even move on from those failures too. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm from a big, yeah. I'm a big basketball guy. And so one of my favorite players is Steph Curry and one of his, I think kind of super traits, right. The characteristic that has helped him the most. Obviously he's got lots going for him with a basketball family. His dad was an NBA player and he grew up on basketball. So he's got all the skill and the talent and form and all that stuff down. But the thing I think that I always notice with him and, and you see it a lot from um, his coaches over the years, um, especially Steve Kerr, they always talk about Steph Curry's ability to forget failure, right? Mm. Every shot he misses doesn't impact the next shot he takes, which is, if you watch basketball at all, you realize it's like, that's like half the game for these professional players is they get stuck in their own heads. Right. I love and they, that. And they think like, Oh, this next shot, right. I'm playing the person, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I missed the last 10. So I don't know if I'm going to make this next one. It's all about that confidence to just say, no, I, I go out, I forget whatever has happened before. This is a brand new shot. It's a new take. Yeah. I learn from stuff, right. Absolutely learn, but I don't have to, I don't have to dwell on, on that. And I just play the percentages, right? Um, you see that a lot in baseball too, right? You're playing the percentages, you know, you're going to, if you're a good batter, you got the skill, you know, you're going to bat 300, right? And so, yeah, you miss some, but you know, you're going to, you're going to hit them too, right? And this could get, come around. this could get super esoteric and, <laughs> you know, y'all just hit, y'all just hang up on me if, that, if it gets <laughs> a little, a little too woo woo here, but but if you look at leading a company or being an entrepreneur or even working inside of a, an organization that allows for this kind of thing, you know, it could be a pathway to awakening, if you will, uh, in a way that is so much more fun than any other way I could ever think of, because there is zero way for you to hide uh, um, as leader. Um, of an organization there's zero way for you to hide the results are what they are and you're uh, it's it's the sort of the fruits sort of happen um and so you know what you're sowing every day you get instant feedback on not instant but relatively instant feedback on so it's a great device for you to slow down step back and ask yourself again if you're if you're willing to do this work and i think you know, again, being part of entrepreneurs organization and watching other, you know, folks very closely and intimately get to do this, I can see how this particular trait of mine has caused this issue inside of my company. And it didn't have anything to do with quote unquote business. It was my <laughs> personal, it was my personal failure. Um, and if you look at it of a, at, through a lens of you know, what needs to happen for me to 
evolve and become a, you know, a, a better performing, more effective sort of human being, then you look at it through that lens and go, and again, I think that's the comment, you know, one of the tenets of why I'm so attracted to conscious capitalism is that conscious leadership thing. And that's one of the things that we're constantly challenging people on. Uh, but you have to get over your fear, right? You have to get over your, oh, someone's going to think about me this way or that way. It's like, yeah. who, who cares? Guess what? They're thinking about themselves. They're not thinking about you, right? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's not, it ain't happening. Um, and to the extent that you can help your, even your team see that, Hey, look, I screwed this up and I take responsibility for this and I'm going to work on this guys. They're like, Oh, so you're a human. You don't have all the answers. We're all, you know, arm in arm in this thing, trying to figure it out, you know, and to a large extent, just like any other business owner, we're making it up as we go along. Um, and you know, too many people are afraid to sort of say that, you know, it's like, no, we've got a plan (laughs) and maybe you do. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, but we know those uh, plans get, uh, get pretty rough as soon as they hit reality. So, yeah, it was a Mike Tyson said, you know, everyone Mm -hmm. has a plan until they get punched in the face. Exactly. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Well, so I think we're, we're at that time. We are, Chris. Where we can start wrapping it up, Mike. This has been fantastic. Yeah. Cole. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, did you have anything you want to tell people kind of what you've got coming up that they can participate in or check out? Our, our, yes, we have the Dare Capital Dialogues where every month we have leaders from across finance, other operators in business, we're talking about best practices, some of the things we've been talking about today, strategies, tactics, things you can employ inside of your company. Hmm. Uh, and this month we have we have two. We have our first Sunday special hmm. uh, with a guy named John Henry McDonald, who has a great rags to riches story. Uh, he happens to be my mentor and, and the guy who I met in 2007 when I started Far West. And I said, how'd you do this? And he put this entire, you know, sort of a system of, of personal mastery in front of me. And uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about his core values at the business that he ran, grew and sold. And also how he kind of went from, you know, uh, Vietnam and, you know, drug addiction to selling his company. Now he's a, he's a professional musician mm-hmm. uh, in, his, awesome. in his retirement. So johnhenrymcdonald.com. Uh, is his website and then of course you can go to darebizcapital.com or you could just google my name Cole Harmonson and then we've got an announcement there so that's the first webinar that we're having slash uh, dare capital dialogues the second one is a, a a group when we when the pandemic first hit we started talking to business owners about how to pivot and it was talking about cash flow and talking about some of the things we discussed today and we're going to have a an actual owner who pivoted their business. It's a yoga studio that I've been a member of with these owners, where they were actually finance people, started a yoga business. And if you can imagine being where you rely on people actually coming into your studio every day, uh, that's a very tough situation. The government's yeah, actually was, yeah. saying, saying, no, you can't come in. So we're going to have Marty and Jeff Chen on. That's on November the 17th at 1 p.m. Again, you can also find those details. Uh, Google my name, Google uh, Dare Biz Capital. It's on our website. Um, 
And That's awesome. We'll, put you we'll make touch. sure there's a, gonna... a link in the show notes as well. So people awesome. can click through on that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and obviously if, if people want to get in touch with you, Cole, you know, hit the website and is there anywhere else that is good for you? Yeah. I'm on Twitter all the time, you know, uh, not working. So at <laughs> Cole, at Cole does capital is my Twitter handle. And I'm uh, tweeting about the things I care about all the time. Again, you can also, you know, find us on YouTube. We have a, a YouTube channel, Dare Capital. We have all of our Dare dialogues on our YouTube channel, and uh, we've had some awesome, awesome conversations. You know, if you're interested in those topics of, of uh, growing a business and scaling your your operation, so That's really, awesome. really appreciate appreciate you guys having me on today. It's fun. Yeah, this has been a blast. I felt yeah. like uh, I learned I, I learned some stuff, uh, some great stories, Cole, and just kind of unlocking insights that you've had from your years of experience, I think is is really awesome. And I, I love that conversation around more of the the finance, the, you know, the the financial side, the the operations side of business. I think, you know, when people think like, oh, you guys talk about branding all the time, they just think like pretty pictures and colors and communication stuff. And yeah, that stuff's important. Uh, <laughs> we think it's important. But I I am a firm believer that every brand starts from the inside. Mm, right yeah and it's these things it's the leadership it's the mentality of the ownership and the founder or the ceo and the leadership team um it's the things they're doing to communicate internally what they believe in what they're trying to strive for and then having those tools that you talked about cole that tie it all together and make it easy to like what are we doing you know are we on track yeah um mm -hmm. and then how do we how do we practically get there yeah um, so. deciding making those decisions about who you are you know taking that yep. you first talked about going away writing your stuff down you know taking that time and i really think that people with a fixed mindset it just might be really hard for them to to do that because yep. they want to be busy and trying to so um yeah i, I got more questions uh, but, uh, but we'll <laughs> save that for next time follow-up yeah, follow so let's do round two let's round do round two, two. Let's do timer that. the timer's been paused so we can just keep yeah. going sam, he no. gave up on sam us. gave the thumbs up no he didn't he's gonna kill it oh he put the timer back on <laughs> well thank you so much cole for coming on today we this was a great conversation i definitely think there's gonna be a follow-up um for all of our listeners thank you for coming and joining us for another episode of az brandcast yep if you want to find out more about the show or any of our guests definitely check out azbrandcast.com and you can find all of our episodes on all of your favorite podcast channels and directories, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Does anybody even? I don't know. But anyway. It's all the places. All the places. Um, and if you want to stay in touch with us, join our newsletter at azbrandcast.com. And you can be uh, notified of every episode and kind of keep up with Chris and I and all the stuff we're doing. So uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. And don't forget... You are remarkable. The AZ Brandcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and Chris Stadler. It's produced and edited by Sam Pegel. Music is produced and provided by Pabrid, an Arizona-based music group. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at azbrandcast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. 
To contact the show, find out more about AZ Brandcast, or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at azbrandcast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media, LLC, 2020.